Good and Gone was the song that first caught my attention because it was added to my Spotify um, list. Okay. And so I found it that way. And so I think it's really cool these days in that you don't need a radio single to gain fans anymore, right? Just the singles yeah, exactly. that you put out on streaming, those are almost more likely to grab you fans these days, right? It's awesome, man. It just it just connects you to such a broader audience, people that don't even know country music or just like, it's a song on a playlist at that point. And yeah. they, it, all it takes is someone just to like the song and then show it to their friends. And mm. yeah, I think it definitely makes it more accessible being able to just release music. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, Dan and Shay. So I hit save yeah. immediately. So <laughs> I'm just joking. Of course, I'm just joking. I know we don't know each other that well. All day, dude. All day. All day. How many times do you have to legitimately answer that question in interviews? Is it basically like every interview you do? Honestly, <laughs> that we, was weird. That was weird. No, I mean, we kind of, it's more like, I think it's just people assume just because we're two, do, like we're a duo and like Mitch's kind of range is similar to, to Shay's. And so like, we kind of get that comparison, but in interviews, it doesn't really get touched on too much, to be honest. It's also, also, that's good. Also there's Keith a lot Urban. of Keith Urban in interviews. But you're like, well, just rewrite my script. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that. We have to talk about Keith Urban because of what it's meant for your journey. And on the Music Made Me podcast, I love to talk about the journey from the very beginning. And that started for you guys at the age of three. And my question is, what took you so long? Like at three, if you would have started writing then, you could have been in Nashville at like age seven, eight. You could have been on the, you could have been playing stadiums, sold out crowds. You could have been the biggest thing in country music. <laughs> we, uh, we actually signed to Sony when we were four. Um, and uh, it's just been a development deal. We've been on since the shelf. Then. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, nah, man, we, we, we both grew up playing music um, from a super young age and we've known each other obviously our whole lives, but uh you know it, it takes a while to figure out how you want to do it you know what you want your sonic to be what you want you know to represent musically and stuff and i think for us both it took like it took a minute um but then you know like we say discovering country music and particularly keith urban for both of us was like a a light bulb moment where we were like country feels like what we are naturally trying to do, but haven't necessarily been exposed to growing up. And then as soon as we were exposed to country music, we kind of dived down the rabbit hole and loved the stories and loved the Sonic and loved, you know, Nashville as a place and everything. So then, yeah, it was a, it was pretty clear from that point, but it took us a while. Yeah. Let's talk about that while for a second, because yeah. you guys had, careers both of you before you came together and so let's kind of go down that journey a little bit and tom with you playing guitar that started at the age of nine and yes. i saw mitch say in an interview one time that you were a bit of a musical prodigy in your uh, area at that well, point i mean to back to your earlier point i think you had a record deal when you were 11 yeah. years old I, I, yeah i was like i think i signed my first record deal when i was like 12 in australia and you know to my point before is like no 12 year old knows what they want to do musically and i was never kind of allowing I, weirdly even as a 12 year old I never wanted to do like the tv shows I never wanted to do like like x factor and that those kinds of things I never wanted to do any of that like the pop route I always wanted to like play music and play guitar and I wanted to make like a singer songwriter record when I was like 14 yeah. um and so 
yeah, like I've just always been very like musically um, driven, even from like a super young age, which is strange. But... Tom's whole life revolves around music. He's he can't really manage much else. It's yeah. like it's literally <laughs> I can't change a tire, but he is like it's music, and it, it's which makes it so amazing because it's like he's so strong at it. I'm kind of like average at music and just no, can get by not. with everything no, else. No. But um, it was funny. Yeah. Like we started, we didn't like cross 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 paths properly in like doing music until like high school. But I honestly looked up to Tom when he was doing it. Cause he was doing it at such a young age. We obviously knew each other, but when he started going in like little, like busking competitions, busking, do you have busking in Canada? It's where like, yeah. You side of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he, they had competitions for them. And I remember seeing him at a few and he played at our school in year five, which is when we're like 10 years old, nine. And I was like, I need to do this too. If he's doing it, I'm doing it too. So he kind of inspired me secretly to start doing that as well. Um, and then we, our first time we played together was like a, a, like a parent teacher cocktail party at, in high school when we were like 13, 12 and we both got up on stage and, and then that was the end. That was like kind of the end of our, our collaboration at that age. And we kind of went off and we're doing our own things. As Tom said, like trying to just discover what it was like the end goal like what we wanted to do. We knew it was music. I knew it was music from the, like the second I started, but I just didn't know where my place was. And I think it took us to go on our separate journeys for, a, for multiple years until we came back and started, we wrote our first song together that it kind of all clicked. And we were like, this is what we've kind of been waiting for the whole time. Right. Cause yeah, you have been doing it from a young age. Cause like you mentioned, Tom, you signed a record deal when you were quite young and Mitch, you started in rock bands, fronting a rock band when you were 13 yeah. Um, so what were those experiences like in guiding you towards a career? Like at that point, were you both focused on when I'm done school and when this all happens, music is going to be my career, no matter what that looks like? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think that yeah. that's always been the thought. And even like in my first band, I was like, this is the band. We're going to blow up. We're going to we're going to be the biggest thing ever. And I think like that's always been the thought in everything I've ever done, which is probably, which is a great driving thing. I was obviously wrong many times, but <laughs> you always know that there's something that you're like striving for yeah. and that could never get like, would never get masked, even though like those things weren't it. Like it would always just lead to what's, what's coming and, uh, and it's led us to this so far. And every, it, and, yeah, every yeah. experience you have kind of teaches you something and then you end up, you know, I feel like, we you know i went through a lot when i was younger and i feel like that way by the time i turned 21 i'd learned a lot already that a lot of like 21 year olds that were just starting to make music were still like learning yeah, you yeah. know like it's it's weird so i'm i'm grateful that you know i went through what i went through and obviously mitch went through what he went through because you know we learned from it and gave us kind of you know perspective perspective and stuff to kind of come into this and you know know what it's kind of about and we still know nothing so right. <laughs> and you both went to la before coming together mm, well right yeah. to do some I, writing trips and, and stuff yeah i well i moved to la when i was like 18 um right as i finished high school um i didn't go to college or university or any of that um i just moved straight to la because i just wanted to live there and wanted to make music and stuff and then mitch kind of did his thing in sydney and then eventually came to LA and we were just mates at the time and we just hung out. And that's when we kind of sort of started talking about like collaborating and stuff and what kind of sparked the whole thing. And we would send each other songs back and forth. And both of us were like, you know, this is really good, like on both ends. And so then it was like, we should, you know, collaborate 
together and that's you know and then eventually we did but i i spent a few years in la myself just kind of again figuring it out and met a lot of great people and did a lot of cool things but again i think it all taught me lessons and relationships and different things that were beneficial for when this kind of became a proper thing and going over to la at younger ages Mm. was that a sign that it's doable like if you hadn't have done that if you had just stayed in australia the whole time before coming together as a duo would Mm. coming to america have been a realistic dream for you guys do you think think well because i had done it i think i was like we can do it and mitch was like i want to do it you know what i mean but then there's like there like i think both of us were necessary in that and like i think the fact even that we're here now and and have the story that we have and have the the friendship and the brotherhood that we have and have had for our whole lives is pretty crazy like we both moved from sydney and we now live in nashville we're both chasing the same dream we both have the same ambition and stuff like it's it's cool, but I think, you know, having me moved to LA, I was like, it's, it's doable. Like, it's just a plane. But then a lot of people don't, like, I think the hardest part is actually just moving. You know what I mean? Like, the hardest part is actually making yeah. the move. But Which is hard also because there's visas and stuff involved. Right. But yeah. Like, like, to your point, I think Tom was further along because he had gone, I, it was like my first trip out. And then we did a few riding trips together before actually moving. And it was like the first trip, Together we did, I think we did, yeah, we did Nashville for the first time. And as soon as I like stepped foot in Nashville and we wrote in Nashville, I was like, this, we have to come here. Like we have to move here. It's unlike anything else in the world that, that we'd had experience anyway, or I had. It's definitely not like the same uh, structure and like musical community that, that where I lived in Sydney. So I was like, this is where we need to be if we want to get better and, and like surround ourselves by people that are better than us and, and grow. And it wasn't until like a couple of trips that it would, like, I was like, I oh, know we want to be here, but it, like, it wasn't until we like got the deal that it's like, so are you actually like, you were doing the move. And at yeah, hundred percent, like we'd already done like four trips. I think it was like our fourth trip when we got the deal and it already felt like somewhat of a home. Cause we built connections, had friends there and we had like a good lay of the land, how things work. So it was like kind of a seamless move. How did that first trip work? Like, did you know anybody? Did you have connections there already? Or did you just throw your money down and say, we're going and we're going to meet people when we get there? Yeah, I, we, well, in LA, I signed a, a kind of a licensing deal, I guess, um, with a, with a sync company that are really, really great. And um, they were always really great to me. And there was a, a girl there. Kitchen sink company. Kitchen, a kitchen sink company. <laughs> um no, but then uh, there was a girl that worked for that company named Katie who uh, essentially, you know, took me under her wing and kind of looked after me a bit when I lived in LA. I had no money. I had no car. Like I was like slumming it there, like, you know, whatever. But I had these people around me that were really supportive. And then Katie ended up moving to Nashville and basing herself out here and working out of here. So when we started coming out to Nashville, like, you know, Katie helped organize these first rights and everything. And um, you know, got it. We essentially just wrote with everyone and anyone that would write with us. And we thought it was really cool at the start that like we were writing with certain writers that you would never think you could get in the room with as two random dudes from Australia. You know what I mean? Like people that have multiple number ones and everything. But I feel like that says a lot about Nashville that everyone just loves the craft and you never know who you're going to write with, you know? So one of the, but one of the big trips for you guys was in 2017, in March, April, and you played a show at the basement on April 4th of 2017. Talk about that show and the feeling of that show 
and what transpired. Yeah. I mean, so that was like, that was our first showcase. Like we put a little band together. Well, I say little band, like 12 very piece, young. 12 piece band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, got, we got some players uh, just through recommendations in town. And then um, our management at the time invited uh, uh, everyone in like all labels in Nashville, essentially to come out and check us out. Cause we'd sent music to them all. And it ended up being like a packed house at the, at the basement in Nashville and we with, like we with just industry all like, industry like everyone like head of labels to this and that and randy we, randy goodman the head of sony we had two friends there uh one was from sydney and they both like sat like front row and randy goodman the head of sony nashville literally walks in and sits right, right. in the front row next to them and we're like, <laughs> i'm signed them like saying all this uh, stuff like this it was know. it was wild man because yeah. we'd already had a few meetings with people in town so it was almost like this is the they're like all right we need to see them live and like Hopefully we can sign them. It, it, it just felt, it felt wild, man. Cause we got up there and we'd never played any of the songs with a band before. It's like, they're all new songs, but I don't think we'd even played them live before. So yeah. to see that happen, we finished and then we kind of got swarmed on stage of everyone introducing themselves to us and chatting. And it was just like a whirlwind for us. And I think it was after that week that we like design, uh, decided to sign with, with Sony and we had the deal offers, but yeah, that was, that was a, It'll go down in history. It was a that was a um a milestone for us. And was that the most nervous you've ever been playing a show up to that point? Life, in general, <laughs> honestly, it was there was this weird like, dude. Adrenaline. I feel like we just had adrenaline in that whole phase of our lives. Like we just were so excited to be in Nashville, and like there were nerves, but it was more like we had been working for so long behind the scenes, and and you know to go back to the very first point of us like literally knowing each other since we were kids and me signing at a young age and both of us, like there was so much pre-work that was done to get to that point that we, we felt like it was just like, let's like show people what we're trying to do and hopefully, you know, get something out of it. And, and, it and we did. And, yeah. yeah. And we did. So it was, there was nerves, but it was like a lot of excitement and like adrenaline, like Moose says. So. And in 2017 is when you decided to move to Nashville. Now you played a sold out farewell show in Australia before you left, right? So what kind of following did you have there before you left? Honestly, we didn't really have a much of a following in Oz except for our family and friends um, and then maybe a few people. So that farewell show was basically, yeah, like a family and friends show, like send us off. But the, the funny thing about it is we signed, the, like we got the deal offer in April and we were thinking we'd be moving within two months or whatever. And we ended up not being able to move until October. So for that, like however many months that was, we did the the farewell show like May or June or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had we... multiple months still at home. So we're like, <laughs> okay. guys, we're off. And then actually we're not. And we went back <laughs> doing cover gigs. And I think people were kind of like, did they get a deal? Was this all a, a joke? Are they actually moving? But obviously it finally happened. But that was an awesome night, man. That, that, that was great. It just turned out to be funny, the fact that uh, we weren't moving as soon as we thought we were. We could have done like a farewell tour. Right. And you talk about the cover songs, The Sweet Boys. Was that an actual band or is that just a joke you threw out once? Dude, The Sweet Boys. How did it start? We, there was a song that we, I think, wrote once that was very soppy. And we kind of were like, 
kind of making fun of the song i think like like later on there's just some something that we wrote and then we were like making fun of it and it turned into this thing where like we're like we wrote these like lyrics that were just the cheesiest like whatever and so then it just turned into this thing where like around that same time of that trip we just started writing these songs for this sweet boys alias that were just these cheesy songs and the whole idea is like Mitch and I rock up wearing turtlenecks and chains and like we're like oh what's up yeah, what's, yeah. and then we sing like she's so pretty like the most like just cheesy we're like arrogant like arrogant yeah and, and then just, just like the cheesiest things but I don't know it's just kind of ongoing joke now like where we you know have these songs that are in the vault that no one's yeah ever heard but maybe TikTok will appreciate it yeah. at some point <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome and so when you came over what was that trip like? Was it different than the trips you had already taken just to come and write and spend a few weeks or a month in Nashville? Like, did that feel a lot different taking that plane trip? To move, you mean? Yeah, to do the yeah. final move. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the hardest thing about all of it is leaving family and stuff. You know, I feel like we, we were ready and excited and, you know, had this whole new chapter of our lives that was, you know, unfolding. But I think leaving home being like well we'll see you you know in when we can yeah exactly <laughs> that's it's it's crazy man and and this whole past year obviously has been a testament to, well sorry like a, a, the tr- most trying i think time we've been through as far as that goes because we can't really go back right yeah, now but right um yeah man it was it was it was like bittersweet very bittersweet very emotional but exciting at the same time so and how quickly did you kick off the writing process for the debut EP when you first got over? Oh, I mean, I think within the first two weeks. I mean, we had like a week to like get furniture and get settled into to the to the place to our house. Sorry, but then yeah, we were, we were writing pretty much straight away, and then we had a bunch of songs that we kind of were already ready that we were gonna record for the for our first EP. But then we ended up writing for a few months. Good and, and good and gone was one good of and them. gone was one of the like the the songs that we'd written like. Uh, just after moving um and then we started tracking for that ep uh, like the first in 2018 or at the end of that year first quarter of 2018 yeah yeah. but yeah we did a bunch of writing like they put us in with everyone they were like we think you've got some great songs but like let's just get you slammed and see what else we can come up with so we did that we got we were all around the place but and did you write all around like i saw la new york and nashville did you travel everywhere to do some writing or how did that go yeah, a little bit um primarily though it was nashville just because yeah. we were we were here and we were stoked to be here and we've done trips out there and stuff and early on we did some trips but um you know there's just so much like talent here and it's like the community of writers is so different to australia and like the way that people write i feel like almost like i i, I think it would feel weird going back to australia and writing in an australian scene now because I feel like everyone is so like, it's like there are ways that people flip lyrics and do different things that you just instinctively learn as you start writing here. And like, we just kind of got thrown in the deep end with all that, which is super cool. But I think that's why, you know, maybe we have a unique approach because we came from an Australian background and listened to different kinds of music. And then it was like country was the the thread that kind of pieced it all together. But like our influence is very, global in the sense of just the fact that we're not from here and we you know weren't raised you know down south or anything and so it's like it's always kind of we tried to quite further south actually. yeah a lot further south (laughs) yeah you know just make it like our our own story within country you know and that's you know so and what was it like being able to connect with dan huff who you produced the ep with because i know 
his name had sort of popped up in the past for you guys. And so what was it like when you realized you were going to be able to produce the album with him? I mean, it was amazing, man. Dan was behind the music that got us to love country music. And he was the, the man producing, I mean, obviously Keith Urban, but then we were big into Hunter Hayes at the time and uh, Rascal Flats. And he was kind of the, like the common thread behind all that music that we loved and the Sonics and, we researched him and he was kind of like instantly from the beginning, like our like dream producer. And we were like, we don't know how we can get in with him, but like, if there's anyone we want to work with, it's him. And funnily enough, when our first like team meeting with Sony, um, Randy Goodman, the head, head of the label, we had like a board meeting, sat us down. He's like, so who do you want to work with? Like, who's the dream guy? We were like, well, Dan Huff has been there. And he, he literally pulls out his phone, like calls Dan and then throws the phone <laughs> on the table in front of us. And he didn't pick up. Yeah. <laughs> But shortly after that, we ended up uh, like sitting down and having lunch with Dan and telling him about the project. He listened to some music and, and he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to work with you guys. It seems great. Um, and we ended up getting to work on the like that first Love That EP we did with Dan and working with him in the studio was incredible. Like just seeing how he like listens, controls the band and his ideas. And you just like see this wisdom that, is something we've learned so much from and he's also just like the most genuine dude like the nicest bloke and encouraging and has no ego um so it was it was incredible dude i feel like we learned so much and tom as like a a guitarist guitarist like like dan i feel like they had that connection and um and it was just like i don't know just watching one of your heroes work in the room so it was yeah. it was awesome was it pretty intimidating going in at first? Because before that, you guys hadn't worked outside of your home studio, had you? That yeah. was your first time in an actual studio? Well, I thought that albums were made differently too. Like for some reason, I thought like you get like a drummer in and the drummer does the drum tracks for, you know, six songs and the bass player and the bass player does that, you know. Right. But then we had breakfast with Dan one day and I remember him being like, I've got a great section like of these players that you'll love. Like this guy's on drums, this is his. And I was like, oh, like, we're doing like a live band track. Like the people do that. Like, like I, I didn't realize, and then, yeah. you know, that's how everyone does it, but it's like, and then, so you go into the room and you've got like the best session players in Nashville, let alone like the world that just like, they listen to the song twice in the room and then go in and rip it out. You know, it's like, and it's, it's crazy, but it was like intimidating, but inspiring to see that all happen. And like, the, and like Mitch says, the way that Dan like controls a room and knows how to communicate with players and like keeps it so respectful and everything like he's really really like the best at what he does and like it's been inspiring for both of us to watch that and learn from that in different ways and i know that you guys wanted to make sure you kept some some control because like i say you did had done producing in the past for yourself so you didn't necessarily want to just give up all control so was that pretty cool in that you were able to collaborate with him and work with him in that way yes absolutely and i think I, but i think it was it was less about us being precious and more about dan being like I mean, we, we just wanted to be collaborative, not like right, here, produce our record. Right. Because yeah. the, the, we were going into these sessions with very like thought out demos, like as far as like even like programming that like stayed on the songs, like the first whole, to use the same song as an example, but the first like intro verse one pre-chorus of Good and Gone is exactly the same as the demo sound wise, pr programming wise that we did in the house, except with new vocals. And so like the, the different bits and the little like, 
And so Dan essentially just elevated the demos and like really brought his thing to it. But I think that's why he was open to like the collaborating and the co-production and stuff. Cause it was definitely a, a joint effort, but yeah. without, without Dan, like he, he's, yeah, he just brought new legs to the whole thing. And like, really, it was really, really special to like see that come to life. And it was about a month after you had been in the States for one year that you released the first singles off the EP. What was that like to have those out? And, you know, it was, you were not there a a lot of time, you know, only a year. So how exciting was that to be putting that music out and realizing that the move was, you know, worth it. It was coming to fruition. This was happening for you guys. I mean, that's a huge and scary moment at the same time because it's like we've worked on this. It's like it's like our first time actually ever going to radio with something. So it's like pretty overwhelming. But uh, I don't know. It's just like it's, again, another milestone in your life, in your career. Um, it didn't end up going exactly where we, where we hoped it would go. But like but more so like it's just like putting, yeah, the feeling of getting it out to the world and seeing people react to it um, as two random Australian dudes. And then also playing shows and hearing them sing that song back that like, that's, it's incredible. Like we, we were just stoked that we even had the chance to do that. And you talk about the community in Nashville. I know Mitchell Tenpenny is someone who, uh, you know, has really done a lot for you guys, taking you out on tour a couple of times. Uh, you, uh, recorded a song with him. So what has he meant in the few years that you've been in Nashville? Yeah, he, he's a legend, bro. Mitchell's like salt of the earth, like sweetest guy and talented. And we had done a couple shows with him, just like acoustic things and then um, seen him around and stuff. And then we decided to like write. And that's the day we wrote anything she says. And, um, and it just kind of happened really naturally. And everyone loved the song. And I think like for him to end up cutting, it was really special because we were fans of his and like, it was cool for us to even just be writing with him. And then, you know, to get us on it and do the tour and stuff, like you say, like he, he definitely opened a door for us in a big way. And, and we're super, super thankful for him and for that. Cause you know, it, it kind of got us in front of a lot of people that we maybe wouldn't be in front of at this point yeah. without it. So it's really cool. And now we're excited to go out because that song, you know, has the, it was like, it feels like the song was like, I hate the word, like a hit, but it like it, on streaming and stuff, it really stood up and like, like it has like 60 million streams or something on like Spotify alone and it went gold and everything. So people kind of like know the song when we play yeah. it out. But I think we were on the Anything She Says tour with Mitchell in 2019. And so that song was like the kind of centerpiece of that tour. But like for us to go out with like Jordan Davis at the end of this year and play these shows, and have that song in our like, live set as being like you know this is like we wrote this or whatever it's going to be a cool little moment for us i think it was a a special song and we're super stoked to have had it and throughout the end of 2019 you released a few demos on social media and then you released the singles in 2020 now how cool is that to be able to have that feedback because in the old days the only way you would have to do that is on tour, right? To play them while you're on tour. So how cool is it to be able to release those demos on social media, get the feedback and then release them as singles a bit later? Yeah, it's great, man. And also like we, we would get impatient because like things shut down over quarantine and we're like, we want to get music out, but we can, it's just not the time to release. So we'd be like, let's just put everything online. I feel like I don't even know how many songs we've shared at this point that aren't released, but yeah, that like all right we're trying but like 
it is a great method to test because then we'll see people reacting to it and then we'll show our label and be like, Hey, out of this five, six songs we posted, this is getting the most attention. Like, let's look at it. And that actually was something we did with breakups. Um, like sharing it on story posts and that got like a lot of reactions and people reaching, reaching out about it. So like before we'd even released it, we knew that it was reaching people and connecting. So yeah, it's definitely an amazing, amazing indicator. And talk about the new single breakups. You've talked that it's, uh, you know, one of the more special songs that you've recorded. So just talk about that and how it came together and, and why it's so special for you. Yeah, man. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you're right we have written, you know, hundreds of songs since moving here. And, and there are days where you just know that there's something special in the room. And, and that was just one of the days. And like, I personally was going through like a really rough breakup at the time that like kind of messed me around for a while. And it was with Liz Rose, who's an incredible writer and Cameron Bedell, who's also an incredible writer. And we had written with both of them before, but I remember we were in the room and we started this like one idea and Liz is like super like, to the point she's so so brilliant and so professional and she like i think she just chases because she's had such success she just wants to write songs like that like she doesn't want to you know like and yeah, it's, piss fair. it's like, like yeah and right. so we started this one idea that day and then she's like is this is this that good like is this good guys and we were like like it's cool she's like she's like tom you you said you you broke up with your girl like what's going on like what's going on with your life <laughs> like because we're doing it and i was like all right. and, we, session and, initiated. and we spoke about it and, and then that's we ended up writing breakups and i think like it was a point where it's like that whole like i'm drunk at a bar at 2 a.m and i just want to talk to my best friend line was like said and it was like oh yeah like that's the like crux of the song and then you know it was just weird man like the song obviously means a lot to both of us for different reasons but then the more people that would hear it whether it be our team or our friends or anything like that was like the song that like stuck out to people like yeah that song's special and so it's cool that you know you write something so personal and then people relate to it like go figure you know like but yeah just yeah it's about real stories and real life so it's cool to have that and to see people hopefully enjoying it so and is that sort of the way writing sessions go a lot is there almost like therapy sessions for you guys that turn into songs yeah i mean sometimes and then other times it's just like what well, let's just do whatever like feels natural and then but they, they it is extra special when it can be like something that's directly like your story or something mm. and you can get it out and you're everyone's relating in the room and throwing ideas and then it just feels more special because you're like i just got something off my chest and like this is like a real thing but uh i think it, yeah writing it's different every time sometimes it's just whatever the purpose is but right. you know you can always find a way to relate the lyric to something that you've felt whether yeah, it be what yeah. you're feeling but like you know i think everything we've released has been relevant to us at some in some way or another at some point you know right and with breakups it went to radio and earlier this year you played your first live shows back to back and then right after the second show you heard breakups on the radio so what was that like as a welcome back to the world to not only play live shows but hear your song it was amazing, man, because we, we we don't have cars with uh, Sirius XM. So it's been playing on uh, the highway for a, for a couple months awesome. now, I think. And we've just never heard it. People would always tag us in posts. Um, and I was down in Florida for a minute with uh, and my girlfriend's parents had Sirius. So I was driving everywhere trying to hear it. And I'd miss <laughs> it time. And I came back and I was like, well, we're just never going to hear it. And then we finished uh, the two shows at Eddie's Attic, which was amazing. They were both sold out. Um, just really intimate acoustic crowd. So we had such a blast. 
packed up, got in the car with our manager. Tom was in another car though. Of course. And as soon as we turned the radio on, like we were just chatting about the show, like this is, feels awesome. He turned the radio on and the intro started like it was his iPod. I was, we were like, did you just put that on? It's like, oh, it's on, it's on the highway. So that was, that was pretty special. It felt like it was meant to be. So I obviously FaceTime Tom and we got that, got that experience, but yeah, it, it, it's amazing, man. Like it's, it's a weird feeling you can't really describe, but it, it's just a goal, you know, yeah. kicked a goal. We're glad to see it playing on there and it goes to terrestrial radio on June 21st. So hopefully we'll start to see uh, other stations picking it up and playing it there. But yeah, we're just excited to see the, the life of the song where it, where it takes us. And you talked about all the demos that you've been releasing and there are quite a few. So are there plans for another EP or for an album coming pretty quickly from you guys? Definitely. Um, we've been, yeah, we've been working on new music this whole kind of time. Um, and we have a bunch of songs that we love and we've kind of just been narrowing it down recently and kind of picking a select few and focusing in on those. And um, uh, it, it's fun, man. It's a lot of work when, when you're producing them and, 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 you know, doing the whole thing, but it's like, I feel like to have that control is really cool because it allows us to be fully us, you know? And I, and I think like, yeah, we're just super excited about the evolution of our music and the way that it's kind of headed. And, and we have, yeah, some new stuff that's sounding cool that we're pumped on and we're going to hopefully get it out um, before the, before this Jordan tour at the end of the year, yeah. whether the way that we put it out, we don't know yet, but we'll yeah we'll definitely have some new music coming and we're super, super excited about it. So Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I just looked at my notes. I can't leave you guys without talking about the Opry and that experience and what that was like. Your mom's come over from Australia. You're yeah. playing a venue that I believe, what was it, six years earlier was the first time yet that you had visited and bought tickets up in the balcony. And so what was it like on that night? It was amazing, man, just because there were so many things kind of like full circle moments. Obviously, we had our mums there. It was both of their birthdays on the same trip they came. They'd never been out and experienced what we were doing over in Nashville. And it's hard to tell your family everything over the phone. Like they have to get like a real glimpse. And both our mums came out to multiple shows. But to Doesn't also yeah. do the our opening night at Opry like with debut. them there and for them to catch to catch that and experience it with us was like just incredibly it was really emotional man like you could see like our mums on stage like kind of like half crying but so proud at the same time and we yeah. were like so emotional at the same time and the crowd got to experience that yeah um it was it'll go down go down in the books it was it was incredible and as far as releasing music and doing all of that is the opry sort of a big moment in letting you know that the chances you've taken to chase your dream that at that moment you were right in doing what you were supposed to be doing? Right. Well, well, I mean, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but on the 22nd of June, this certain so 20 days or whatever, my, that's my birthday. And we're also playing the Opry and it's the day after breakups come like goes to terrestrial radio in the U S right. so like these, like you say, like, it's like these moments of just like, man, like that, I think that's going to be a, an emotional, like, night for me just because it's like you know we have sacrificed a lot in moving here and doing that but then there it's it's about the wins that like keep you motivated and in a year of not many wins for anyone i think the fact that it's getting back to normal now is really cool and 
um, yeah, I think that's going to be a really special night for all of us for, for different reasons, but yeah. yeah go out and have a couple of iced waters after that for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. And what's it going to be like stepping back on stage with the full band on the Jordan Davis tour? Like, can you guys even imagine what the feeling is going to be like when you hit the stage for the first time? I mean, it's going to be unreal because also you've got people that haven't seen shows in so long either. So I feel like everyone's going to be so equally excited for the experience we need to definitely rehearse. We were just talking to our management and band today. We're like, we need to get in and like practice because it's been a minute. We're, <laughs> we're going to be a little, little rusty, but uh, we, we go out and play some shows in July. So we should get some practice then and we'll knuckle down. But I, yeah, I cannot wait for it. Cannot. As far as the last year, it has been difficult, but it feels like you guys have really made forward motion. Your name is getting out there. People know who you are. Your music is getting out there. So do you think that's going to make the shows even more special? Is that, you know, in the audience, a lot of people there are going to know who you are. Well, that's, that's the indication yeah. of playing these shows. Cause like, as, as we grew, we, we went on in the first two with Mitchell and you'd see a couple people that knew a few lyrics to some of the songs. And in the next two, we went with Mitchell. Like there was a lot bigger patches of people singing the songs and then this time it's like we've had at least another year since the last shows and and then another four or five Music songs so yeah. it's like it's an indication to see where you're at so i'm, I'm excited to see if i mean maybe we've gone backwards maybe no one will know anything, <laughs> i think it, i think we'll we'll have a really good time